Welcome to the Be Real Podcast. I'm Diana Gasparoni. I'm a visionary psychotherapist, CEO, and founder of Be Well Psychotherapy and Be Her Programs. I am Ednisha Salisbury. I am a therapist, speaker, trainer, and co-creator of Black Woman Be Whole. Each week, we will talk about the journey of mental health wellness. We will talk about why your mental health is just as important as your physical health and the connection that being mentally well has on all areas of your life. We will be interviewing psychotherapists, doctors from both Eastern and Western disciplines, authors, change makers, thought leaders, and more. Our mission is to bring you information that is both thought provoking and encourages you to look closer at your mental and emotional well-being. We give you tips and insights to taking the next steps. If you have already gotten into the door, we'll get you to go a little deeper. Each week, we're going to have real conversations, helping you work through your mental wellness questions and reminding you that you are not alone. Mental wellness is our passion. We practice what we preach. It is our mission to touch as many souls as we can with this content and leading you to a place of mental clarity and well-being. So for the next hour, let's work together, lay back on the couch and get real. Welcome back to Be Real. Another week in the pandemic. Um, I am excited, but not that um, I am fully vaccinated now, Diana. Um, I got my second shot and it kicked my butt. Yes, Super it did. sick. Put you down. Chills. It put me all the way down. I could not pry myself off the couch. <laughs> so if that is anything like what COVID was like, I already had empathy, sympathy, everything for people who have been through it, but to really fully understand what it was, even for that short time, was really, really rough. But I'm glad that I am vaccinated and you are as well, right? I am. I am. I'm not going to brag, but I didn't have Mm -hmm. side effects. But I had no side effects. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which I thought, but I, you know, I had prepared, sort of mentally prepared myself for it. Um, I woke up. (laughs) <laughs> the second after the second one in the morning and rolled over and Jeff was like, oh, no horn, no tail. <laughs> We're good. You're good. Um, and uh, I was like, yeah, we'll just see, you know, we'll just see. And it's given, you know, as soon as I got the first shot, I got vaccine cocky and booked myself right on an airplane. Um, and I will be going on vacation next week. This time next Sunday, I will mm-hmm. be in transport to the hotel on the beach in the grill where I'm super, nice. super excited to go. And it's weird, right? I haven't been on a plane in over a year. I'm excited. This week when I got to see you face to face, I got on the subway for the first time <laughs> in a year and a half. And that was also weird. And as we're slowly, like, as the world is slowly opening back up and things are like, you're able to do more stuff or like, I have the urge to do more. Like I can feel it. Like I want to be, I want to be around people. I want to be out more. Mm -hmm. Um, But the habits that I have created in the past year and a half, because as you recall, a year ago, I was up dressed, showered, dress on, ready to go to work. Just like it was a regular (laughs) week. I kept like telling people to do all of that. And then yesterday, for example, (laughs) 
<laughs> we'll use yesterday as an example. My first session was at nine. I got up at seven, had my coffee, played with monkey, took him for a little walk. The next thing you know, it was nine. I was still in my loungewear, got on the phone, <laughs> had my session, then had another session and another session and another <laughs> session. And there we are. And it's 1230. Yep. Still in the oh, loungewear. Lounge yeah. Got on the Peloton, took a little 30-minute ride, interval in arms with Sam Yo. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> and then I took a shower and got my act together for the rest of my day. Session, 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 session. I might miss that if we're back in the office. I will miss that. I don't might. You you might miss it. I will. I think that I thought that I was ready to be back out in the world, but I am very comfortable with my routine. I am. I, I, I am. Because I can do a session and I may not have even showered yet. I may not have even combed my hair yet. <laughs> I, mean, I don't even have Anybody that works with us is listening, like works with us, uh, like clinically is listening to us right now. They're really like, oof, why can't she get it together? But like, <laughs> we got to like, but it's true though. I think that we've all gotten into these habits. And I know I specifically said to, we were, we had a conversation about it. The habits that we create are going to be hard to break because yeah. it, it, there is, there is something really nice about the slowing down, even though it was forced upon us. I have been given an option that I've never had before, right? The option to go or stay home. That was never an option before. Mm -hmm. A year and a half ago, as a New Yorker, it was a rat race, right? Like that's all my life was, right? Like you, you get up, you get dressed, it's crowded. You're running for everything. Everybody in New York is always late, always. Everybody's always in a hurry. This was my every day. And so now I've been allowed to slow down. I like it, mm -hmm. like I enjoy it. And so I don't know if I want to go back full time to every day in the office. Like I could be cool with maybe one to two days, mm -hmm. but I get to have a boot camp class in the middle of the day which is amazing. My bootcamp right. class is at 1230 in the park and yep. I go and then I come back and I go back to work. Right. I didn't have that life before. Mm -hmm. I couldn't fit things in. It felt like before. Now it feels like I can, I can try and fit all the things in and I'm very appreciative of that. Um, and yeah, so I'm trying nice. to figure out what will it look like when, um, you know, I'm feeling rushed again. Will I be comfortable feeling rushed again? But I was always right. rushed before. Yeah, but maybe there's a way to find the balance that we don't feel rushed, right? That there are, that there's a hybrid of the schedule. Because I do think that if we are back in an office, and I mean, I'm just speaking for you and I, because our offices are right next to each other. Yes. That there is something about being able to pop in in between sessions to just sort of like shake it off a little or like, what are you having for lunch? And what'd you wear today? What are you doing tonight? That like is different than the constant session after session after session mm -hmm. without having another person, another like right there or like not somebody that you have to text message. I mean, I do miss that part. Yeah. Um, and I would like to have that community, that feeling of that, like really like organic feeling of community, like in the knowing that there's another person next door again, but do I have to see you every day? <laughs> right. I, and I think that that's the beauty of this, that we are realizing that we can do things differently and it can still work. 
Well, totally. I mean, when we had dinner the other night, you were in sneakers. Now we know that things are different. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. I am like a pump girl. And yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be wearing heels this summer. I'm really searching for cute sneakers to wear with my pretty dresses. Like I'll still, you know, have the cute dresses and everything, but I want comfort now. Like my life is really about comfort. And I think that's the biggest change for me. Yeah, it was nice to see. I mean, I had my sneakers on with my dress because I rode my bike to the bathroom, which of course that did not change. And I was like, oh, that's so nice to see that you can like allow yourself that comfort. And you wouldn't have before. I mean, no. I have a, there's a whole, there's a whole closet full of your pumps. I've seen it at work. <laughs> at work. So. Yes. So there is something about that that's really nice. So it will be nice as we start to ease back in to have like a hybrid and no, but we do, I mean, there's an article that we'll make sure that we put it in the show notes. There's an okay. article that I'm going to share with uh, the BUL team about only telehealth and like how we can find a way to, there is something about seeing people in person and the beauty of therapy with somebody in the room that is very mm -hmm. different too. There is a place for telehealth for sure. I wouldn't, I mean, obviously over this past year, we can definitely sing its praises and how it's mm -hmm. really kept people afloat, but also how to incorporate both in the room and telehealth into uh, somebody's life so that they know they have that organic relationship with their therapist. I also think that that's important because I think that bringing people together, being able to see and feel what is happening with them emotionally is really part of the emotional corrective experience for people being in the room with their therapist. So we'll just have to pull willies around it. We'll figure it out. Whatever's both for patient and therapist, I think. Yes. And I've been polling my clients and asking who wants to see me in the office. And so it's been interesting, you know, they're like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, I want to come. I want to, I'm like, all right, fine. Well, you know, we'll figure this all out. And I'm just like, okay, so you'll have to get on a train. And they're like, oh, wait, I got to get on the train. And yeah, I don't know, Anisha, if I want to do all of that. I'm like, oh yeah, that's included. <laughs> like you just, you, you just <laughs> I'm not, like, on yeah, some spaceship maybe, and like you're zoomed you're into come, the office. Maybe you were going to go to their house. You never know. You never know. You never know. I have people who are willing to take the train. I've had that conversation. So it's been... I'm looking forward to seeing them, even if it's only once a month and we have like three sessions on the phone and then one session in person. Like I I'm think looking that forward to seeing clients I've never met in person. I have a lot of clients that I've gotten while in the pandemic. So we've never met in person. It's always been over Zoom. So I really want to meet them. That's it. Yeah, I think that that's going to be, <laughs> it, I'm, but for the work itself, I think it's important. I think it's important for like any relationship that you should have to yes. like really be able to have a full sense of the other person to, mm -hmm. for the relationship. I mean, it's a relationship, right? So for any relationship to grow and bloom and move forward, like being in the room is important. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's always that, like, when am I going to meet her? What am I going to meet her sort of thing? Exciting. Yeah, that would be nice. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm open. Let me say that. I'm open to change. You right? are open always. To I'm new always open to change. change. Yes. So here we go. Um, I will be back outside this summer. I can't wait. I am fully vaccinated. You know, they told CDC said that I could take off my mask outside. I'm like, okay, I'm ready. Okay. Um, so yeah, this will be good. So is it time to introduce our guests? Is it time to get down to the get down? I, I mean, <laughs> sure. <laughs> 
We do have a show today. We do. We do have a we show. Do. We have a we have a guest. You want to tell everybody who she is? Yes. So okay, let's do excited. it. Yeah. <laughs> if you guys could see my eyes got really big. Yeah, yep. really excited. Yep. Uh, her name is Monica Reinagel. She is a board certified licensed nutritionist and a professionally trained chef. Um, Monica's expert advice is regularly featured on TV, radio, on the web. Uh, she's the creator of the Nutrition Diva podcast, which has been in the top 10 of health and nutrition podcasts since its debut in 2008. Well, and she's impressive. also co-host of the Change Academy podcast, which focuses on the art and science of behavior change. Diana, do you think? This is my thing. Okay, so get ready. We're super excited to talk to Monica. So sit back, grab your tea, and have a listen. As you know, I am a huge supporter of therapy. And if there was ever a time to prioritize your mental well-being, it's now. As the founder of Be Well Psychotherapy, I am proud to announce my team is leading the way in online therapy. BeWell is based in New York City, and we were one of the first practices to pivot to online therapy with the outbreak of COVID-19. With over 15 licensed therapists, BeWell offers a variety of methodologies and approaches so you can select a therapist that is a good fit for you. We help individuals of all ages, including kids, teens, couples, and wait for it, we even have online group therapy. There is no need to struggle alone with feelings of depression, anxiety, isolation, grief, or loss. To learn more, visit BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, that's one word, to 484848 to get connected with a therapist today. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, one word, B-E-W-E-L-L, to 484848 to get connected to a therapist today. And now back to our amazing show. Good morning and welcome back to Be Real. It's me, Diana Gasparoni. And Ednisha Salisbury. I am here. I'm not feeling well today, but I'm here. I'm happy to have you here. So I'm super excited about our guest today. And Monica, just because I know if I say your last name now, this is a thing. I had it differently in my head and I don't want to say it incorrectly. So please jump in and let um, everybody know who you are. Hi, Diana. This is Monica Reinagel. I am really have been looking forward to our conversation today. So thank you so much for in inviting me to join you on your podcast. Oh, I'm super excited. I was thinking about talking to you while I was eating my breakfast this morning, and I can't wait to get into the whole thing about who you are. And hopefully by the end of this whole thing, how we're going to continue to work together, because I think I need a new I, I think I need somebody to help me figure out how to eat. So can you just tell everybody a little bit about what you do and your mission? Well, nutrition actually was a second career for me. The first time I went to school, I studied classical music and I trained to be an opera singer. And, and I pursued that as my first love full on for about 10 years and had some amazing, exciting experiences with that. But like so many artists, I was kind of struggling to pay the rent. And so I always had another job. And at one point I was working as an editorial assistant for some health publications. And I found I was really attracted to, surprisingly enough, science, nutrition science. I was fascinated by the physiology, the chemistry, the biochemistry. Ultimately, I decided to go back to school and retrain in that profession and launch a new career as a nutritionist. 
Where can you tell us a little bit about the? First of all, I love the fun facts. <laughs> I love the. I, I was like, oh, I didn't see that coming. Um, and I do want to talk a little bit about you being an opera singer, but that's not why you're here today. But we're going to get to that because <laughs> um, it's a it's a good shift <laughs> for sure. It's definitely a good shift. So when you say you went back to school, if I, I'm not mistaken, you're a dietitian. I am a licensed nutritionist. So I went a back and got a graduate degree, um, master's of science in human nutrition, and then became licensed and certified in the state of Maryland to practice nutrition. And I did do some one-on-one uh, -on -one nutrition counseling, nutrition therapy through a medical practice. But really when I went into this, remember I came through publishing, right? Mm -hmm. This right. health publishing. And my mission, my idea from the beginning was not so much to work as a nutritionist in a clinical setting, but to work as a nutrition educator, as a nutrition communicator, to translate this information into uh, usable information for people who wanted to eat healthier, be healthier. Oh, I love that. Anisha and I are learning so much about <laughs> nutrition, nutritionists in this like time. We've, uh, I'm going to let Anisha tell you that she has been working with a nutritionist and we've been talking, we were just talking about it this morning. And so interesting how the conversations, I think more so now that we're going out into the world again and how we've been eating and what the shift has been for food during the pandemic and food going outside and how, I mean, I fancy myself an armchair nutritionist and I'm also learning <laughs> that I actually don't know anything about it. Nothing, nothing. And I've had more. Yeah. So um, I'm interested in more of the, how you are educating um, like on mass, like what is it, what does it look like for you? Well, I have a podcast that I uh, launched back in 2008. So long wow. time ago, yeah. we're now on, I see that you're on episode 66. I just taped my 620th episode. So wow. I've been at it for a while. And that's really been my primary platform to communicate nutrition information to mm -hmm. listeners. We've had been privileged to reach a lot of people and you're right, Diana, there are a lot of people who know a little bit about nutrition and, and there's a lot of actually bad information circulating around. There's a big gap sometimes between popular writing about nutrition, popular understanding about food and nutrition and the nutrition science. And one of the things that was really important to me was to be able to bring an evidence-based approach to this, you know, to really be able to vet the science and then explain the science in a way that people could understand and apply. So that's been a big part of my mission. But one of the reasons I've been so excited to join you on this podcast is that, as you just kind of mentioned, there is so much intersection between food, nutrition, how we take care of ourselves and various aspects of mental health, mm -hmm. our self-esteem, how we identify ourselves, how we take care of ourselves, the stories that we have about what food means to us. Sometimes those come out of our family of origin, the role that food plays in our unique family cultures and larger cultures. Sometimes uh, we develop a relationship with food that's more about coping with various stressors than about nutrition. So there's so much overlap, I think, between um, nutrition health, physical health, and mental health. And I love the opportunity to bring those threads together into a conversation. Oh, I'm so excited because I don't think that we have, I mean, for myself personally, when I'm working with my patients, I don't, I, I know what they eat. Like 
when they eat, what they eat, how they eat. And we do talk about like the comfort food or what it means to nourish yourself, what it means to take care of yourself. And when we start to think, and there's so much talk about self-care, right? And when we get down to the basics of like what actual self-care is, like when we're looking at eating and how we eat and what the history of food in our lives. And even as you're talking, I was thinking how many different, how my food personally has changed over the years. And like when I think about cooking and when I, how I cook for myself now or how my mother cooked for us when we were kids. And then like what my diet looked like in my twenties and like how I fed myself then and how I feed myself now. And I mean, I'm really interested in like nutrition and how it's, and the science of it and how it's changed post-menopause. So we can talk about that too, because I think that that is like a really big thing. I can't eat the same as I did when I was in my thirties anymore. But like the mental health part of it, there is always an overlap, I think. There's just no way. Another thing that I realized early on though, Diana and Adnisha, maybe you've noticed this as well, is that the problem usually isn't that people don't know what they should be eating or shouldn't be eating, or if that is the problem, that problem is easily solved. Uh, with some information, what really ends up being the sticking point for people is how to change their behavior, how to convert information into action or good intentions into action. That's where I saw people really struggling. And it's actually shifted my focus a little bit over the years from purely being fascinated by the nutrition science and how do we nourish our bodies and how does food work in our bodies, a little bit more towards the behavioral science. What motivates us? How do we make positive changes in our lives that stick? You know, what, why do we struggle so much sometimes to do the things that we know are in our best interests or to delay gratification? This turns out to be a much bigger challenge for a lot of people. And so I spend more and more of my time th these days uh, helping people understand why they do the things they do and what sorts of things they would need to put in place to change what they're doing to create a different result in their life and a little bit less time uh, on, on the basics, like, oh, how do we make sure that you're getting enough calcium or how do we make sure you're getting enough protein? That turns out to be the easiest part of the equation. Yeah. When I, I saw a nutritionist for a couple of months within the pandemic, um, I probably gained maybe 20 pounds. I was like, okay, something has to give, right? I need to lose that 20 pounds. So a friend of mine was seeing a nutritionist and then I started seeing her and she would give me like a menu of food. And I think when I decided to work with her, the first thing I thought was that how restricted things would be for me, right? And that was the fear and the concern, like, okay, I'm not gonna be able to eat this. I'm not gonna be able to do that. And what I learned was that I actually ate so much more. Like I had so much more of a variety, things that I would never generally eat, things I would never generally cook, and I loved it. And I couldn't be happier. Um, I also realized that the portion size that I would usually eat was just too much food. But that's what I was used to. Like when we go out to dinner, you know, portions are generally sometimes bigger, but depending on the restaurant you go to. But I realized the portions that I was eating was so much bigger. And so when she first had me make these meals, I was looking at this as like, that's it? That's all I'm getting? And but then I was full. And I was just so surprised. Like, I am so happy. And it gave me like a schedule and an understanding. And when you talk about behaviors, every week we would have a conversation to kind of talk about the behaviors. And that was the hardest part. Like, I didn't want to talk to her at the end of the week. I was like, I just want you to send me the menu and that's it. Like, I don't want to talk to you about what's going on. Why am I choosing this? What's going on in my life? And then I was like, okay, let's talk about it. And then once I understood my behaviors, I don't work with her anymore. However, I've been able to take the things that I learned from her. I haven't gained any weight. I actually 
continue to lose. And the way I think about food is just so different. I'm so much happier than I've ever been when it comes to food. And it's so interesting that I really thought that I was going to be deprived and restricted. And so I didn't want to work with her. And I think that I eat so much more, so many different things now. It sounds like you had a really great experience and a really great outcome. And I'm glad that you pushed through that discomfort about looking at your reasons and your thoughts and and your beliefs. Um, It sounds like you went into it with an open mind and that's so key. We have to be able to bring some curiosity to the Mm -hmm. process. And you were also able to push through your fear that this was going to be unpleasant or restrictive, or you'd have to give up too much. So you get so much credit for being willing to do that work. I think uh, it's easy for us to look for a magical solution. Like maybe if I just get on the right high protein diet or the right low Low carb diet, <laughs> or I drink the right shakes or the cell reducer or whatever, that it will sort of magically allow me to create a different outcome without actually changing some of the underlying thoughts and behaviors. And that turns out not to be the case. So good for you that you went into it with an open mind and willing to dig in and do the work. And I also think you said something really interesting about learning that the portions that you had become accustomed to mm-hmm. just because that's what served to you in a restaurant or that's the size of your dinnerware, our plates and bowls yeah. are have gotten so <laughs> big. Even our martini glasses and our wine glasses are now huge, you know, and that yes. really affects. And the behavioral science shows that our impression of what's enough, like literally whether we feel full at the end of the meal, it has to do with so many other things than just how full our stomachs are and how our bodies feel. Our eyes make a lot of those decisions for us. You know, we're constantly taking in, we're social creatures, right? And we're constantly taking information about like, well, how much is everybody else eating? What's on everyone else's plate? What's my share of this platter? You know, children who are very young actually will do little mental calculations like, okay, there's four of us at this table. There's all this food in the middle. Obviously one quarter of that is for me. (laughs) So recognizing how those cues, those behavioral cues influence what feel like our sensations is, is really important and being able to experiment. Well, how does it feel if I actually eat less? It doesn't look like it's going to be enough. I'm not sure my nutritionist knows what she's doing (laughs) because this doesn't look like enough, but being willing to experiment. Well, how does it work? How do I feel at the end of the meal? How do I feel an hour later? And those are the kinds of things that you have to be willing to experiment and discover. You can't just have somebody give you a printout. Okay, Mm -hmm. here's your answer. Here's your, here's the solution, right? There's a little bit of trial and error where we, where we, try different things and we see how they work. And part of that, Anisha, and I think this is something that people really struggle with, is that that introduces the possibility of failure. You might try something and it Mm -hmm. might not work. And we have to realize that, well, that's not the end of the world. Now we know something. Now we have another piece of information, but somehow, especially with food and nutrition, we feel like we've gotten ourselves up a tree where if it doesn't work, well, then it's broken. We're, you know, we failed, we're we're off the wagon, we're going to go back to, you know, there's not that um, willingness to do it in a more kind of discovery oriented way. So I also know that you are a chef as well, right? Yeah, that was sort of a crime of opportunities. How did that come about? (laughs) As I said, I, I decided to retrain, to go back for more schooling and, mm-hmm. uh, and study nutrition formally because mm-hmm. I wasn't satisfied, Diana, to just spend my career as an armchair nutritionist. Like, <laughs> I, I wanted to make sure I had my facts straight. 
But when I made that decision, I just missed the application deadline for grad school. And I was going to have to wait a year before I could begin my program. And so I decided to spend that year going to culinary school. I knew that that skill set, well, first of all, it was super, super fun. I loved every minute of it. I enjoyed cooking and I, and I really enjoyed that, um, that training process, but it was also sort of strategic. I felt that having that culinary training would help me translate the nutrition information. As I like to say, translate the data into dinner. Like, okay, how do we get it on our plates? What do we do with the food? How do we manage that? Nutritionists and people who write a lot about nutrition often end up doing a lot of recipe development. And it turns out that that's actually a, um, a formalized process that you study and learn how to develop and write recipes. And that was one of the things that, uh, that I also took out of culinary training, but it was really because I, I had poor time management and I missed the deadline for application. And I had this year to fill, but my wheels were already turning and I wanted to keep that positive momentum going. And, uh, and also PS, it was so much fun. I loved it. So do you actually work as a chef at all, right? Like you've been to school and now you, you know, you have this, yeah, this is kind of this new thing that you're trying, but do you actually use it like out in the world, I guess? I never worked as a chef in a restaurant. That's a whole different right. uh, lifestyle and have so much respect and admiration for mm-hmm. people who, who do that. And also the, the entire restaurant industry, you know, have just had such a, such a rough year and they've been so resilient and so inventive in the way that they've responded to it. But no, I never worked in that environment. I really took my culinary training and used it um, to, as to work as a a recipe developer, to write and publish recipes. Um, I do a lot of uh, cooking demos for groups, um, Mm -hmm. um, for clients, for in presentations, just to kind of show people how it's done videos, that kind of thing. It definitely comes in handy then to have some actual technique. And I've also done a lot of consulting work with restaurants and chefs, working with them to make their menus healthier. Got it. A few years ago, we had a new law on the books that restaurants would have to provide nutrition information mm-hmm. for their meals. And, um, and this kind of changed everything because once those numbers were out there, a lot of diners and a lot of restaurateurs were like, hmm, <laughs> that doesn't look so good. <laughs> Maybe no. we need to <laughs> do a little better. And so I also have done a lot of consulting with restaurants and restaurant groups taking a look at their signature dishes, mm-hmm. doing some nutritional analysis on them, working with the chefs to see if we could tweak them, modify them a little bit to make them healthier. Uh, because once we shone a little ray of light on those numbers, then everybody felt like there was room for improvement there. Again, the culinary training was so, so useful and being able to speak to chefs with a shared vocabulary. Okay, got it. And so I think that we are going to go for a quick break. But when we get back, we want to talk about your alter ego as a nutrition diva. So I'm excited to learn a little bit more about that. So we're going to take a quick break. As you know, I am a huge supporter of therapy. And if there was ever a time to prioritize your mental well-being, it's now. As the founder of Be Well Psychotherapy, I am proud to announce my team is leading the way in online therapy. BeWell is based in New York City, and we were one of the first practices to pivot to online therapy with the outbreak of COVID-19. With over 15 licensed therapists, BeWell offers a variety of methodologies and approaches so you can select a therapist that is a good fit for you. We help individuals of all ages, including kids, teens, couples, and wait for it, we even have online group therapy. 
There is no need to struggle alone with feelings of depression, anxiety, isolation, grief, or loss. To learn more, visit bewellpsychotherapy.com or text BEWELL, that's one word, to 484848 to get connected with a therapist today. Again, that's bewellpsychotherapy.com or text BEWELL, one word, B-E-W-E-L-L, to 484848 to get connected to a therapist today. And now back to our amazing show. And we're back. So I'm excited to be back. And I didn't monkey disturb me, so I didn't get to say this before, but you're kind of living my dream, Monica. So I have a fantasy that I'm going to go to culinary school uh, and like tap into my inner Julia Child and then create recipes and not be an armchair nutritionist. At- and learn more about it. I'm really excited. <laughs> we have a really good combination going here. I love it. I know Anisha had brought this up right before the break about uh, your nutrition diva alter ego. You want to tell us a little bit more about that? Well, I already kind of gave away the punchline. So I was in a previous life or in a sort of parallel universe. I am an opera singer because I still actually do it a little bit on the side. It's no longer my full-time profession, but I still do get to sing. Although everything got canceled during the pandemic. When we were creating the Nutrition Diva podcast, which I did in partnership with Macmillan Audio, they are the producers and the publishers of that podcast. We were brainstorming a name for it. And that was really just sort of an inside joke. It was a nod to that other side of my life. Yeah, we had a fun avatar for it. She was sort of a diva-esque uh, creature. She had sparkly silver shoes and a little tiara and uh, I used to say, you know, if you didn't eat right, I was going to take off my little sparkly cartoon shoe and throw it at your head. But uh, so we've had some fun with that alter ego. Oh, that's amazing. And you have a new podcast. Yes. So, uh, so I'm in my 13th or 14th year or so with the Nutrition Diva podcast. But last year I teamed up with Brock Armstrong. He's been a good friend for years. We worked together in a coaching program that we developed and Brock is a fitness guy. I'm a nutrition girl. And, uh, and Brock had sort of come to the same place that I had about nutrition that, okay, it's one thing to tell people what to do, but that's actually not where the problem is. The problem is motivating, helping people find their motivation, helping people tie these goals to their values and, Mm -hmm. and make it part of their identity. All of that behavior change stuff was taking up an increasing portion of his practice too. And so the two of us teamed up and launched a new podcast called The Change Academy. And like you and Adnisha, we co-host it together. And our focus in this podcast is not really nutrition, not fitness, although obviously it comes up a lot because that's what we do. Our focus is really behavior change. How do we form new habits? How do we remove the barriers? How do we understand what's going on in our heads that's leading us to do the things that we do? Um, And it has just been a joy to be able to really dig into that topic together and have a co-host. I know you know how fun that is. Um, So yeah, the Change Academy just reached its first year anniversary. Oh, you started a podcast in a pandemic too. Yes. <laughs> Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Woo-hoo! Thank you. Thank you. Um, that's so exciting. And uh, what kind of things have you discovered? Because I know for the work that we do, Anisha and I, when we start working and help like noticing people, helping them, supporting them with change, it's really like helping them understand the process isn't an overnight 
there's no real overnight successes and how, how to tolerate the feelings as you're going through them. And so as we, when we do it, we'll like digging deep into the feelings. So I'm curious as to like, what, what sort of, what sort of things, what sort of things are you doing? Right. It's not an overnight process, but we wish it were right. And yeah, which is time. why we're so attracted <laughs> to those magical solutions that are going to instantly transform us. But yes, it is a process. And it's one that um, I feel like we need to make it fun and interesting because we have to stick with it, you know? So, uh, so we try to make it as entertaining as possible, but when we started the podcast, Brock and I sat down and came up with a list. And as I said, Brock and I had previously created a, a coaching program called the Wayless program, where we help people create the mindset, the habits, the lifestyle, ultimately, that allow them to maintain a healthy body weight without dieting. The insights that we gathered, we've worked with hundreds and hundreds of people in this program. And it was the insights that came out of that, that formed the kernel of the Change Academy sort of approach, because we realized that the same techniques and strategies that we were using to help people change their behavior around food and movement could really be applied to any change that people yeah. want to make in their lives, whether it's about the way they use their time or their careers or their relationships or their money management. You know, it's those tools could be used more universally. And we came up with a list of eight things that we kind of feel are necessary to create positive change. And there are things like having a compelling reason that we have to be able, as I said earlier, to tie our goals to our values. Curiosity, which is another one of the eight things. We need curiosity. So we developed this eight things and uh, we actually spent the first eight episodes of the podcast talking about each one of those things. Well, I also think that like as therapists, sometimes we're like, oh yeah, we got this. And, um, you know, like I have my own therapist and I've been with her for like 20 years and whatever. We just had a conversation the other day about the things that my, I might not tell her. (laughs) 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 I was like, oh, she was like, Miss Gasparini, apparently you don't tell me everything. And I was like, "Mm, maybe I just missed that one. But it's such a nice, a nice reminder that like there's eight, these are like, and what the feeling, like you're looking for a feeling it's, you said a few things in there. Practice I think is important and that you're changing behaviors. And the word that kept coming up for me is uh, like in my language, I would be thinking about, oh, we've created these maladaptive behaviors, right? For whatever reason. And now to create, now we want to retrain ourselves to have something that we feel better. And like, as we're working backwards from this maladaptive behavior that we've created, it will be uncomfortable, but the end result is that you're going to feel better. Well, and ironically, many of those maladaptive behaviors were themselves an attempt to feel better. Yeah. And then they have, they have backfired on us. And I think there's also some actual process work involved, um, Mm -hmm. you know, in actually implementing behavior change. But there was another thing that you said there that I, they think is really key. And that is that we need to be able to look at our beliefs. And sometimes these are sort of invisible to us, the beliefs that we have about who we are and what's possible for us and our beliefs about food or our bodies or our relationships, all the the different ways that it reaches into the world. But those beliefs that we have, which are sometimes kind of below the surface that we haven't really looked at, drive so much of our behavior. So some of it is really kind of unpacking a little bit those those beliefs about ourselves. We often refer to them as our stories, our stories about ourselves and our lives and putting those under a microscope. And I know that you have a workbook 
you know, kind of based on, you know, helping people with behavior change. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah. After we did our eight episodes on the eight things that we feel you need for positive change, we collected that all into a workbook. It's sort of a study guide Mm -hmm. to those eight episodes of the podcast and the workbook where you can work through the exercises and take some notes. Uh, And we made that available for our podcast listeners. Shall I tell people where to get it? Of course. It's on our website. The website is changeacademypodcast.com forward slash notebook. And you can download a free copy of it. It's a PDF and you can kind of use it as you listen to those eight episodes. And you really can apply this to any change that you're working on. You can apply it over and over again. So I'd love to share that resource. Diana, for you. With I was your just going to say, I have a whole <laughs> list. My mornings in my beach chair are totally taken care of. Right. I have a podcast and I have a study companion. I'm totally set and I love a ritual. So like if I can get up in the morning and have something to do, that is not my job because <laughs> I'm on vacation, <laughs> but like that can set the structure of the day. And um, it's, I mean, I love the way that there's like the two pieces and it's like setting you up for success already. Okay. But Diana, full disclosure, sure. Brock and I always really love to hear from the people that are oh. listening and are working on things. So I'm going to be worry. hitting you up to find out what you're working on. <laughs> okay. And how it's going I'm in. And I what love you've an, learned. <laughs> I love an accountability partner too, because I like to be everybody's favorite. So I will rise to the occasion. It's no joke. It's true. Like every coach, every, anybody I ever work with, I'm like, I just want, I want every the attention and whether it's true true or not in my mind, I think it is. I don't, you don't, you just never have to tell me I'm not, but I'll do the work and I'll like show up and tell you everything. I think also it's about creating a community. I mean, you've created a wonderful community with your podcast, people with shared goals and shared interests that can kind of gather in this virtual space. And thank goodness over the last year that we have these virtual spaces to gather in. And, uh, and that's a lot of what we do in the Change Academy too, is to create a culture and to create a community, however virtual, where people can share what's working, what they're working on, their discoveries. Uh, it just, it makes it more fun. Then we're not all just sort of alone in the wilderness trying to fix stuff. Mm-hmm. We're sort of on a team. Which is so much better. I mean, you get with just knowing that there's somebody out there who's like struggling, whatever the struggle is, it's just that it could be the same, like your ideas are the same, or like maybe it's somebody, it's like, I've always, there's always five pounds in my life. I'm like always, and it doesn't matter where I am, what weight I'm at. I'm like, just, if it was just five pounds, my life would be so much better. Probably not true. However, I would at the moment, I mean, it would save me some money. So I didn't have to buy a new pair of jeans. So yeah, it could make, (laughs) it could be, but and like having, but having the back and forth conversation and having that accountability piece, I, I really enjoy it. So I'm excited to listen to your podcast, get the download. I'm also joining the Facebook group. Like I'm in. <laughs> I love it, Diana. Come on. <laughs> I'm in. I was, I was trying to get on, on the Facebook group this morning and monkey barked, but I'll get back to it. Well, to be honest, we have a lot of people in our community who are, who are therapists, who are social scientists, who are academics mm-hmm. and researchers. And, uh, and we love because they bring so much insight and their own professional backgrounds into the conversation. So it really gets very rich. So I look forward to, to continuing this conversation there and here and wherever else we get to work on this human project together. Yeah, I it is a that. human project. I love it. I love it. Well, Monica, let's make sure that we didn't miss anything. Tell our listeners every place that they can find you. All the places. All of them. 
Well, because they're listening to us on a podcast right now, maybe the easiest thing to do is to pop open your podcast app and take a look for, if you're interested in nutrition, you can check out my Nutrition Diva podcast. And mm -hmm. if you'd like to follow Diana's progress in the Change Academy, check out the Change <laughs> Academy podcast. Diana, we're going to have to come, have you come on and give us a little status oh report. Oh my, so you I'm can, so in. You I can get your wait. credit for being an A student. Those are probably the, the best places to start to get to know what we do and, and how you can start to incorporate it into your life. Um, and that'll also put you in touch with us so that if we can help you in any other way, uh, like through one of our coaching programs, or, uh, we'd, we'd be so delighted. And Adnisha, I know you're feeling a little under the weather, but for yes. a really good reason, because you got your second vaccine yesterday. Yes. So hang in I there. This will be very short-lived. Yes, yes. So I, worth I, it. And um, uh, my thought was, if this is what COVID feels like, uh, wow. Like, I no, I feel for the people who went through this for like 10 to 14 days. Right. Because one day I was like, ooh, how do I make it through? I couldn't and, get off the couch. So, yeah. And that one or two days of discomfort is making it possible for us to imagine a future in which we can all gather in the same room. I can't wait. Well, because I'm really hoping that the Change Academy is going to have some sort of summit. But in the meantime... I've just subscribed <laughs> to both podcasts, so I am also going for a walk so that Monkey can get his yayas out and stop barking later on this afternoon. I'm going to start early. Okay, let I me know what in. changes Monkey's working on too. Maybe we can <laughs> download us another little workbook workbook just for him. Yes, I'm yes. all into the Change Academy. Um, I, I love the workbook on behavior change because I think Ladies, that that's a lot of the work that we do as therapists is trying to help people with that, right? So anything that we can help them with, I think is great. Yeah. Ladies, thank you so much for inviting me to join you today. This has been such a pleasure to, to be part of this. And uh, yeah, I hope that we can continue this conversation in all of our various ways. Oh, yes. we're going to continue it. I'll, I'm going to let you know when I'm done. I'm going to come and hang out with you and Brock. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sounds I'm good. Excited. So it's time, um, it's time for the last hurrah. Okay. So two questions that have nothing to do with what we talked about today. Okay. All right. I'm so ready. Monica, if you could instantly become an expert in one thing, what would it be? Uh, astro science. I love it. Wow. Because what's more inspiring than the stars? Good point. Good point. I love it. And it would be nice to instantly understand that, right? Yes. Go Skip over the, the physics. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. All the years right. of schooling, all, all the prereqs, all of that. Yeah. We could do it without math. That would be my preference. Okay. And so you go into a karaoke bar. It's time to sing a song. What song do you choose? Don't it make my brown eyes blue? I love it. And we got the, and you and sang. We got the singing. <laughs> yes. That was me. I had an answer for that one. <laughs> I love it, Monica. Thank you so much. <laughs> that was amazing. Thank you so much, Monica. This has been awesome. We all know where to find you. Ready, Anisha? Yes. You, we all know we're still in a pandemic. So, but you're getting us closer to making sure we're herd mentality that we're done. Yes. Soon. So we okay. would like you guys to stay safe. Keep washing your hands, Wash please. Your hands. And wear your damn wear, mask. Just wear it. Just wear it. <laughs> please. Thank you. Okay. All right. So we're going to stop here and we'll see you next week. Yep. Bye guys. Thank you for listening to the Be Real podcast. Stay connected to us and subscribe to Be Real wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are feeling it, how about a five-star review? 
If our conversation sparked a question, join us in the Be Real Podcast Facebook group. We hope that you have walked away with some new insights, curiosities, and ideas to better help you on your journey to mental wellness and overall well-being. I encourage you to go to BeWellPsychotherapy.com and check out our services and programs. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com. Okay, we have to stop here, but I'll see you next week.